Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. Understand it. So, but we'll do child dedications at the end of the month, and we'd love to have you be part of that. Amen, everybody? All right, well, let's jump into what we're doing today. We're in a, a, just a, a single message here. It's not part of a series. I just kind of felt, felt a message like this would be really, really important to bring to you guys today, and it's on the idea of being fully present. So let me ask you guys, how many of you guys are here? That's an interesting question, Pastor Aaron. Yes, it is. Now, I don't mean like you're here physically, but I mean like, or are you here watching us on, on YouTube, or are you watching us through social media or listening through the podcast? I mean, like, are you actually here? Do I have you? Are you, are you present right now. If you're here, say, I'm here. here. All right. Others of you, if you're not here yet, let me give you a quick exercise that I learned in one of my therapy sessions about how to just be fully present in the moment. Everybody ready? I'm going to help you out here. So so put both feet on the ground. You can stay seated, but put both feet on the ground in front of you. Kind of sit up nice and straight in your seat. Put your hands on your legs like this, all right? And this is an invitation. You don't have to do it, but but if if you feel comfortable, just let your eyes close and What we want you to do is just focus on your breathing, okay? Focus on your breathing and take a deep breath in through your nose. Let your lungs fill up completely. When you get to the top of of how full you can fill your lungs, hold it for a second and let it go out of your mouth now. Keeping your eyes closed, your hands on your legs, deep breath in through your nose, out through your mouth couple more of these deep breaths. And as you take in the breath, imagine that breath now filling your lungs, filling the entirety of your chest cavity all the way down into your stomach and down into your diaphragm. Deep breath in, hold it, out through the mouth. Begin to just let your attention move around your body and begin to notice how your hands feel sitting there on your legs and how your feet feel planted there on the floor as you continue to take a couple deep breaths in. And out. Notice how it feels to sit in the chair and just take notice how it feels to just be you in this space in this moment. One more last deep breath in. Hold it at the top. Let it out as you slowly come back to the room. You can open your eyes and rejoin me here. Now, if you uh, look at the person on your left or your right and they still got their eyes closed, go ahead and give them a little elbow because they've already fallen asleep. (laughs) But that, that feels different, right? It feels different to be present in our bodies. And a lot of times we don't take time to understand how we're feeling, why we're feeling, or to just be present with ourselves. But I want to welcome you to this holy moment, to being alive today, because this is what it feels like. And I'm so glad you're here. And the reason I say that is because, unfortunately, for a lot of you, you won't be here for very long. No, I mean, you'll be here physically until like the end of the service, hopefully, but your mind is going to drift. Your emotions are going to get the best of you in a moment here. Your attention is going to be on something else. You will have a tendency to be elsewhere. Like you're here right now, but in just a moment, a text message is going to ding in your pocket and you're going to pull it out because you got some FOMO. You're not sure what's going on. You got a fear of missing out. And you want to make sure that you're a good friend and a good person. And maybe you got a good reason for pulling out that text message and reading it right now. Or some of you right here in the middle of my message, you've decided now is a good time to start a conversation with someone else. And you're going to start a text conversation with someone else. Others of you, you're going to get that ding and, and it's your Instagram notification. Somebody has liked something that you've said or posted and you've got to find out because you need the validation so bad. You've got to pull it out and you've got to look right now. Or others of you, you're thinking about, oh, I've got so much to do. That honeydew list isn't going to get itself done, you know? I've got to work on it. I've got a lot to do. Some of you are thinking about the hereafter. Like, what ha- have, where are we going to eat after this, right? Amen. Where are we going to be? Others of- See? Some of, you, some of you are thinking like, man, I hope we get out early enough to beat the other churches so that we can get in there, right? That's okay. We'll dismiss it at 1115. You've got plenty of time. I think you'll beat the Baptists. I'm not sure, but I think you will. <laughs> Others of you have got your mind on, on an upcoming test yeah. that you're taking. Others of you have got your mind on your bills that need to be paid, and 
Maybe you don't have the money to pay them, or maybe you just haven't taken time to do it yet, and you need to pay your bills. Others of you are distracted by the person that is two rows ahead of you that seems to be doing something, and you're not even really sure what it is. Other users, are, uh, are other views, other of you, <laughs> are distracted by the hottie at the end of the row, and you know who you are. Don't point any fingers, though, okay? <laughs> it's my wife. <laughs> and those of you that are distracted by the hottie at the end of the row are wondering which pickup line you ought to use. Hey, baby, I've been reading the book of Numbers, and I noticed I don't have yours. It's not in there. <laughs> if you're here, I'm glad you're here, because statistically, a lot of you won't be here for very long. So today, I'm going to tell us a, 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 a story, and, uh, and it's, it's kind of a, an unusual text. I'm going to start off from the, from, from the get. It's John 2, and, and we're going to look at at the very first miracle that Jesus ever did. Jesus gets called to a wedding with his mom and with a bunch of his disciples in Cana. And they travel, and uh, Jesus is there, and the wedding is hopping, and everybody's having a good time, but they run out of wine. And so the, the person who's organized the wedding is so embarrassed. Like, can't believe we ran out of wine. And Jesus' mom overhears what's going on, and she goes to Jesus and says, like, you need to do something. And he's like, woman, it's not my time. I, I'm, not, I, I'm not ready to do, to do miracles. I'm not ready to reveal myself yet. And Mary, being a good little Jewish mother, just exhort, ignores what her son says, turns to the, to the servants and says, just do whatever he tells you. And so Jesus tells them there's these six massive jars that were used for hand washing, by the way, that they would have filled with water. And Jesus says, go grab these massive jars, fill them with water. And so that's what they do. But when the servants bring the water to the headmaster, and he draws out the water, he discovers that the water has now become wine. And so it says this in uh, chapter, uh, excuse me, chapter 2, verse 8 of John. It says, they did so, so they did what Jesus said, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after all the guests get drunk. That's what that means. He says, but you, you have saved the best till now. You have saved the best till now. And I want to talk to you a little bit today about the importance of now. That, that, that it's right now that I believe that God has saved the best for in fact, all of us have been inserted into this period of time in human history, and time is, is winding down. I don't know if you're paying attention to what's happening in the world today, but our time here is winding down, biblically. It, it talks about there'll be an end to what this earth looks like. Jesus will reign, and we'll all be redeemed and changed, and I'm looking forward to that day because right now, I've got more of a minivan kind of body, and I'm looking forward to having like you know a Lamborghini kind of body. You know what I'm saying? I'm looking forward to it. Vroom, vroom. Someday. That, and our time here on earth is winding down. And God has saved the best. He has saved you for this time now. And so today as we look at this, I, I want you to just be aware that it is so important because he has reserved you for this time now, that it is so important for us all, every single one of us, to be fully present in these moments that he's given us right now. Right now. In fact, when you look at the way that Jesus lived his life, one of the most striking qualities about Jesus was that he was fully present. It didn't matter who he was standing in front of, he gave them his full attention, his full time, and I mean, he'd be in throngs of people, and he would stop and give somebody his attention. There's two examples of this that I want to show you. They're back-to-back -back stories found in Luke's gospel. They're of Jesus uh, as he walked into Jericho. And Jesus, by the way, he's living in this time. He's living in such a way that his attention is undivided. That's what I want to say. 
And living in the moment for Jesus, what it allowed for him to do is to see things that most of us have a tendency to miss. Because Jesus, even when he was on his way to do something and had a task in front of him, would take time to be in the moment and be fully present with someone who needed him. Jesus would do that. He was never in too much of a hurry. He never had too long of a task list. He was never worried about what he was going to eat or whether he would rest. He was present in each moment. And I think it's beautiful. When you look through the Bible, because of what Jesus, because of this, this practicing being present, the Bible says over 25 times that Jesus saw something. And I think this is so countercultural for us today because I think there's so much that we miss because we are simply not present. We miss seeing people. We miss seeing them in the state they're in. We miss seeing their need. Their need for what? Their need for a hug. Their need for encouragement. Their need for a touch from the Lord. Their need for just somebody to be with them, to acknowledge that they exist. Someone to grieve with them. Someone to help them. We miss them because we are so distracted. And yet Jesus walked around fully present. And what was amazing was 25 times it says in the Bible, Jesus saw. And every time, because he was fully present, he was able to see. Jesus was moved by compassion to do something on behalf of those people. There was one time that, that a funeral procession went by Jesus, and the Bible says, and he saw the grieving mothers, and he was moved with compassion. You know what he did? He raised that boy back from the dead, gave him back to his mom. It's because of what he saw, and he was only able to see, I believe, because he was fully present. And so there's a couple other examples that I'm going to use today, and they're back-to-back stories found in Luke's gospel. It's Jesus walking through the city of Jericho. Yes, it's the same Jericho that 1,400 years before Joshua uh, had torn down the walls. Joshua fought the Battle of Jericho. Anybody know that story? And the way he fought it was not with weapons of war, but he fought that battle by marching around that city seven times a day for seven days. And on the seventh day, they shouted and blew trumpets, and those walls fell down. This is the same exact Jericho. Years later, it had been rebuilt. And Jesus is walking through Jericho, and large crowds are surrounding him. Throngs of people are vying for his attention. And in Luke 18, verse 35, it says that there was a blind beggar named Bartimaeus. This large group of people is wandering through Jericho together with Jesus in the midst of them. And they're walking through, nope, wrong verse. That's all right, you don't have this verse. Uh, (laughs) Jesus is walking through Jericho, and blind Bartimaeus calls out and says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible, when you read the story, it says that that all of the people, Jesus' own disciples included, rebuked him and told him, hey, he's, he's too busy right now. He's got no time for you. But when Jesus finally gets up close to the man and he calls out again, Jesus stops and says, what do you want me to do for you? Now, the dude is a blind beggar. You would think it would be obvious what he wanted Jesus to do for him. And yet Jesus takes time to be present. What do you want from me? What do you need? Because I think sometimes we step into people's lives and we think we know what they need most, don't we? What you need to do is you need to get your act together. What you need to do is you need to go, you need to dress different. What you need to do is, you, you know, we just, we think we know what people need. And Jesus took time to be present to ask, what do you need from me? And the man said, I want to be able to see, and Jesus healed him. He healed him. I think that was huge. But I think the bigger miracle was Jesus is surrounded by this throng of people and that he stopped for a man that nobody found worthy of stopping for. It's beautiful. It's huge. He was fully present. He was fully engaged with someone everyone else considered worthless, telling him, don't bother the master. Second story that happens, happens in Luke 19. Now we can throw that verse up here. Jesus, again, he's still walking through Jericho, And it says he was passing through. It means he was on his way somewhere, okay? 
I don't know about you, but when I'm on somewhere, when I got on a mission, I can be very, very focused, very like single-minded. Anybody relate to that? Like just, man, it's just, it's easy to get caught up in the tasks that I've got to do and forget that there are people all around me and that they have needs and that they're, they're valid and valuable as well. It's easy to get caught up in the thing and the task and the checking off of the list. It's easy. But it says Jesus was passing through and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. and He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. So Jesus is on his way just like us. We're always on the go. Jesus is no different except he, of course, is fully present as he went. And he'd already been interrupted once on this same little trip by the blind beggar. And now he's got another inconvenience, another guy wanting to stop him, wanting to talk to him. And he wants to know about Jesus. And you'd think that, I don't, I don't know about you, I get a little irritated when I, when I hit traffic at one place, but to hit traffic on another road, it's like, oy vey, are you kidding me? Jesus isn't bothered by this. Why? Because he's on mission. He's fully present. Finds people the most valuable thing. Not the place that he's going. Not the thing that he's doing. People are the most important thing to him. You got to love this about Jesus. He has time for everyone. No matter your state, no matter your sin, no matter how dirty you feel, Jesus cares about you like he cared about them. What's beautiful is Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Tax collectors were considered the dogs of the Jewish community because a tax collector was a Jewish citizen who sided with the Roman Empire to tax the, the local people. And most tax collectors were corrupt. They would come along and take the money that was demanded by the Roman Empire, but then they would add a little bit to it. And they would take that off the top for themselves. They were corrupt, they were thieves. And nobody liked them. But if you know the story about Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus was a tax collector and he wanted to meet Jesus. But what was Zacchaeus' problem? Anybody know? From Sunday school? Yeah, there was, I saw these little fingers over here. <laughs> Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Yeah, and as a Savior passed away, he looked up in the tree. And what did he say? He said, Zacchaeus, you come down, or I'm going to your house today. I'm going to your house today. Thanks. I love Sunday school, man. My mom told me at one point in time I should have been the fifth wiggle. I think I agree. All you parents out there know who the wiggles are. I should have been the fifth one. Yeah. Jesus didn't stop and yell at him, you come down. It's always the way we did it in Sunday school with a stern finger. But it was more like, come on, man, let's go to lunch. He didn't call him down and tell him to repent. He didn't call him down and tell him, you're a scum, you're a dog. He didn't do any of that. He didn't tell him, hey, before I'm going to hang out with you, you need to give all the money back you've stolen. Uh-uh. There was no prequel Hey, let's go to lunch. Because he cared about Zach's interest in him. He cared in the moment. Gave him his full attention. Didn't rebuke him, didn't correct him, didn't yell at him, didn't bop him on the head with the Bible. He just went and had lunch. And I don't know what happened at that lunch. The Bible doesn't tell us. Otherwise, I think we'd all be tempted to try to do the same thing Jesus did, create some kind of formula that if we say this at this time, then they'll repent. You know what I'm saying? The Bible doesn't give us any of those details. All it says is they had lunch. And Zacchaeus, at the end of the lunch, he stands up and says, he repents. He says, you know what? I, I'm going to give back everything. Everything that I've stolen, I'm going to pay back four times what I've stolen. And Jesus said, today, this moment, right here, right now, this moment, salvation has come to this house. Jesus was always present in the moment. And he gave people exactly what they needed, gave them the love and attention that they needed in those moments. He was fully present. And because he was fully present, I believe he was able to see needs that many of us miss. And he had unique opportunities to step into those spaces and meet those needs as a result. 
I don't know about you, but I want to be like that. Yeah. Like, I'm not always like that. I'm not. Actually, I wouldn't say that there's the majority of the time that I am. I'm striving for that. I'm trying to eliminate distractions in my life so that I can be fully present. I want to be where my feet are. How about you? I want to be present with myself. I want to be present with other people. Not just living for the happy moments, not the big moments. You know, we like to be in the present in the big moments, right? We like to feel things, remember those moments, the birth of our kids, the graduation. Like we, we want to be in the big moments, but I want to be fully present in all of the moments, even the annoying ones. There's something important about being present in those times. And I get it. There are some seasons of life that are more difficult than others, things that we want to try to escape. Being present in those times is difficult, but I want to encourage you in them today. Be fully present in them. Don't try to escape them. Don't try to numb the feelings that you're feeling. Be present in them. Feel them. You know, when I was, when I was uh, when, uh, years ago, my, my kids are, uh, are now 20 and 19. I have twin boys. Um, but, but when my wife and I got together, the, the boys were two and a half and my daughter was a year and a half. And let me tell you something, having three kids under the age of three, I sprouted gray early because everything, I mean, like the terrible twos, that was all together right there in that grouping. They're all potty training all at the same time. Like, just think about it. And girls who mature faster than, than boys, she was just as mature as they were, even though she was younger. She could talk clearer than they. I mean, it was three kids, basically all the same age. It was exhausting. In fact, it's really funny to see pictures of me. If I sat down, sat down and sat still for longer than five minutes, I would pass out. I felt like a zombie. It was, it was tough. There was days where there was toys everywhere. We couldn't go to certain restaurants because we had three kids. All of them had to have some kind of play place. You know what I'm saying? To give mom and dad like a little bit of a reprieve so that we could look at each other and remember that we loved each other and make eyes at each other while our kids went down the yellow slide, you know? <laughs> this is relatable to anybody? Oh, yes. oh, okay, all right. It was tough. Went to soccer games, every sporting event. And sometimes, and because, you know, the boys' leagues were separate from the girls' leagues, I was coaching on the boys' leagues, and as soon as the game was done, I literally had to run across the field to get to the other field so that I could coach that game. And, like, I mean, it was just a lot. It was hectic. It was busy, busy season for us. It was difficult. And oftentimes, what you wanted to do more, than, more, more often than anything is just check out. I just need a reprieve. I need a little bit of a break. I, I'm so tired mentally. I'm so physically exhausted. And you think, you know what? I'm going to coast through all this. I'm going to find a way to cope. Not to enjoy, not to experience, but I'm going to find a way to cope. And what you wind up doing is you wind up coasting through all those days. It can happen very easily to, to us. We can find a way to medicate. We can find a way to not be fully present. Oh, we're present, but they're watching TV and we're playing a game on our phone. We find ways to, to pawn them off on other people, and we kind of coast through doing our own thing. And here's what happens. We coast through until one day you don't have to do that anymore. Until one day you're like me, and you blink, and your kids are fully grown. Because now they're, they're, they're 20 and 19, and I'd give anything for nighttime snuggles and kisses, you know? I'd give anything for those days that I was frustrated that there was toys all over the floor. I, I would love to be back in those moments just to enjoy them again. Enjoy some of the moments that I tried to escape because they were difficult. And the kids are older and they're building their own lives. They're not underfoot. We don't have to change their diapers. We don't have to do homework with them. In fact, this past week, we just sold their childhood home. And that chapter is over. But I want to warn you, though, because many will do what I did. You'll be complaining today about moments you'll miss tomorrow. Try to escape these moments instead of being fully present. Jesus was engaged in every single moment, and I wish I had been too, because there's a lot that I had missed. And because of that, there's lots I think I missed today. Are y'all still here? 
See, statistically, statistically, the odds are against you being here. Statistically, 47% of you have checked out. You're somewhere else. That's what a Harvard study revealed. That 47% of the time, your mind isn't where your body is. That you're checked out. You're having, you're having side conversations. You're playing on your phone. You're off on your list. You're, 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 you're not there. So that means 47% of the time you're in conversation, you're not. 47% of the time you're at church, you're not really there. 47% of the time you're doing, you're doing dinner with the family, you're not really there. 47% of the time in your business meetings, you're not really present. 40, somebody said amen to that. <laughs> Let's try to get that number up. 47% of the time you're talking to somebody in your grow group, you're not present for that conversation. 47%, that's nearly half of your lives that your mind is not fully present. It's staggering, isn't it? You know, the biggest enemy of being fully present, and, and I'm, I'm just going to hang out here for a minute. Do you know what it is? It's our mobile devices, yeah. Whether that's an iPad or, uh, you know, the, the, any of the Android versions of it or a phone Whatever it is, I think it's all of our screens. Our screens have us so distracted, it's hard to be present. In fact, it's so easy to be in a room full of people and absolutely disconnect because of our phones. In fact, some of us use it to protect ourselves when talking to somebody, don't we? All you introverts know exactly what I'm talking about. If I do this and I stare intently enough, people will leave me alone. Don't look up. Don't look up. I looked up. Dang it. And now I'm in a conversation I never wanted to be in. We, we escape. But our phones have got us distracted. The average cell phone user, get ready for this, the average cell phone user touches their phone, guess how many times a day? I heard 300. Anybody else? higher than 300. How many? Close. 2,617 times a day. The average person touches their cell phone 2,617 times a day. And as a result, you miss out on what's in front of you. You miss out on what's in front of you. You miss out on your friend. You miss out on your spouse. You miss out on that date that you're on. That breaks my heart to sit there and see young couples out having dinner together and both of them staring at their phones. Married couples doing the same thing. You're like, whoa, you are headed for such danger. That's no kind of date. You could have stayed at home. I was at a pizza joint the other day watching two people sit across from each other, stare at their phones. I'm like, y'all, you could have been at home. Pizza gets delivered, you know what I'm saying? Why go out? Why put on clothes? You know what I mean? I mean pajamas, comfy clothes. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I'm, I'm talking about clothes to wear to a restaurant, not that you wear to Walmart, okay? I'm just saying, like, whoa. <laughs> Is that a surprise to somebody? I mean... <laughs> ah. Yeah, 2,617 times a day, we, we touch that thing. We whip it out and we look at it. Whether you unlock it or not, or, not, or we get our notifications on the screens, we are divided. Our attention is divided, even at work. But let me tell you something. There's, there's just, there's just, it's not as important as that, as, as that may seem at the time. It's just not. It's just not. We lose sight of what's in front of us. We lose sight of what's in front of us to check out the likes. We lose sight of what's in front of us to read emails, to laugh at memes, to catch up on celebrities and see what our influencers are doing. I mean, it's really just a terrible case of voyeurism is what it comes down to. We just like watching other people live their lives instead of being present in our own. And that's just the average users, 2,617 times a day. There are extreme users. Extreme users. The top 
of the users in the world today, they touch their phones 5,400 times a day. That's a big number, man. One thing to say about that. That's gross. Get some hand sanity and wash that thing down like now. Good Lord. You are touching that thing at every moment during the day. But thousands of times a day, your mind is not present where you currently are with what's in front of you. Your mind is somewhere else. I would say when we're not wasting time on our phones, we're also kind of lost in our own thoughts. We play, play games in our minds. We, one of the games that people tend to play, you know, we're kind of drifting is the when-then game, right? Well, when, when I have this, then I'll be happy. Or when I'm out of high school, then I'll go to college, and when I'm out of college, then I'll get a job, and then, then when I, I get the job, I'll get my real job at one point in time, and then, well, then I, can start, then I can start working on my student debt, and then I can get married, and then, well, then once I'm married, then I can have kids, and, and then I, the kids will be out of diapers, and things will be better. We'll have a better life, better cars, better houses, better vacations, and and if we've got better vacations, you know, then, then the kids are growing and we're not so busy with the kids anymore. And the next thing you know, I'm back in diapers. <laughs> Many of us go through life, our life thinking about, like, what's next instead of just enjoying now. We play the when-then game instead of just enjoying life now, instead of finding, finding joy. Paul says, rejoice, rejoice. Like, in any situation, we can rejoice. My encouragement today is don't miss what you have now, pursuing what you want later. Jesus was fully engaged in each moment. He didn't miss them. They were important to him. So don't play that, the, the when-then game. The other game we might play is the when-if game, or the what-if game. The, the what if this doesn't happen? What if I don't pass that test? What if I don't get into the right school? We're worried about our future. If I don't get into the right school, then I'm going to get a bad job. And if I don't get a good job, then, then I'm never going to be able to retire because the economy is really holding everybody back right now. And, and, and the stock market is tough. And, and what if COVID comes back in, in force? Or what if, what if I can't afford a house? Or what if I don't find a spouse? What if, 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 what if? Find all these things to focus on instead of just being present. Jesus said this about all the what-ifs in Matthew 6, 34. He said, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about all the what-ifs. For the what-ifs will worry about themselves. Jesus didn't say, don't plan for your future. He said, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't get so caught up in tomorrow that you leave today. Be present in this moment. Tomorrow's going to come regardless. This moment right now, this moment that you're in is precious and it's to be experienced. It's important. Are you still here? Still here? All right. We need to be fully present in each of these moments. I think there's reasons why we don't live in the moment, though. And the answer is, is about our faith, or rather, our lack of faith. See, when we lack faith, we, can, we have a tendency to get stuck in the past. We get stuck in the past trying to fix what happened. We get stuck in the past ruminating over it, allowing it to define who we are today, allowing it to define our actions so that we avoid that pain again. We get stuck. And it takes us out of the moments that we can experience right now. Or, or, Instead of worrying about the past, we start worrying about tomorrow. We get stressed out about what's coming. Our thoughts over the next issue, the next problem, overwhelm us, and they rob us of our peace today in this moment. And because we have no peace in this moment, because we are anxious and distracted by the future, we can't be present here right now to see others. Because we're already in present in tomorrow trying to control and manipulate the outcomes, right? The only way you can be present in the moment is to surrender the past that you cannot change and to trust God with a future you cannot control. You need to surrender the past you can't change. Can't change what's happened. I can change my relationship with it, but I can't change the past. 
And I can't control what's going to happen tomorrow. I can't control the outcome of any conversations. I can't control the outcome of today. I'm not in control. Some of you still think you are. Let me tell you who's in control. It's not you. It's God. And you're not him. God is in control. We, we have to remember that. We can't change our past. We can change our relationship with it by realizing and accepting the fact that we are forgiven, that we are a new creature, that we are transformed, and that our past, whether it was good or bad, by God's grace and his spirit that dwells inside you, it is redeemed. That means that God will use it for his purpose in your good. You can't control the future either, so you might as well trust God with it. You can trust his nature. You can trust his faithfulness. You can trust his goodness, his provision, and his promises. Because God redeems the past and he's good in the future, you can be fully present and engaged with the person or thing in front of you. It takes faith to be fully present like Jesus was, guys. It takes faith. Jesus was on mission, and each of us is on mission too, by the way. If you became a Christ follower, you joined the team. You signed up. You're on the rescue team. We all have a mission to reach people that are far from God. And we cannot fully fulfill it if we are not present. James, the half-brother of Jesus, said, gave us a framework or a way to look at our lives so that we have this urgency about being here now that is so important. He says in James chapter 4, verse 13, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. He says that our lives are as, as short as, have you ever taken a piece of glass and just gone <sighs> on the glass? And in moments it disappears. He says our life is like that. It's here and it's gone. It's over soon. In fact, I'll tell you one of the best illustrations of how, about our lives is, is an hourglass. We've all seen an hourglass before. It's two bulbs filled with sand, and you flip it over, and it runs out. It's a measure of time. But in an hourglass, if you were to consider this illustration, the sand within that hourglass is your life. And as you flip it over and it begins falling from the top to the bottom, this is every moment of your life that is passing away with each moment. And there's several things to notice. First is that you have no idea how much sand is at the top. But as much as you'd want to count that, there's just no way to count it. You, you can't count it, especially as it's all sitting there dwindling and passing away. You think you know how much time is there, but it always goes quicker than you think. Second thing is, is you cannot stop the sand from flowing. A lot of us would like to just stop, stop the movement of time. Like, hey, but you can't. Time's going to move no matter what. And the third thing to notice about it is that, that once it's gone, once that sand falls to the bottom, it's gone. There's no putting it back up into the top. It's passed away. David understood the importance of this. So did James. It's all limited, guys. David said this in Psalm 118, 24. He said, this is the day that the Lord has made. And because he believed that God had made it and had put him there in that day and in that moment, he said, we will. Not we can, or here's a good suggestion. But we've got a framework for understanding God gave us this day. That we can be present in it. Don't have to worry about yesterday. It's going to be taken care of. Don't have to worry about tomorrow. It'll be taken care of too. Today. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We will rejoice and be glad in it. You still here? Hey, look at that. So let me tell you what we can't do. You can't be happy where you are not. You can't serve Jesus where you are not. You can't love people like Jesus where you are not. We must be fully present. The most important moment is now. The most important person is the one that's right in front of you. A lot of people live just for those big moments, but we need to be people who are present in the small moments because they matter most. And when you're fully present, you can demonstrate the ability to see 
and know people. Because that's all we really want, right? We all, as, a peop- as, as humans, we just want to be seen and known. We want to be loved. We want to be seen as valuable and capable people. And Jesus, because he was present in all those moments, was able to do just that. Because, see, when we feel seen and known, the end result is we feel a sense of connection, which I believe we're all looking for. And those things, being seen and known, happens in all the small moments. You know, I, I'm, I'm really, really proud of him. I wish he was here today to hear, and maybe, maybe I'll give him the message. But I have this group of guys that I hang out with, and we do discipleship together. We gather together and read the Bible and at Vic's Pizza because it's awesome. <laughs> uh, the Bible and the pizza, it's just great. <laughs> and, uh, and what's really been cool is one of the guys ha- has been really been practicing being present, and it, it's a really, it's, it's a huge inspiration. Because I think when we sit down at a lunch table or something like that, we, we sit down and one of the people that, that interacts with us but can tend to just fade into the background because we're busy talking to each other is the waiter or the waitress. They're not somebody we recognize as a person, right? Yes, they're going to take our order. They've got a job to do. They're being paid to be there in that moment. But I really love what my buddy does. He, he treats every waitress like they're a person, they come to the table, he acknowledges them, learns their names. And I think that's inspirational. Talks to them about their life. At the end of our Bible study time, we're always going to pray for one another. And so, Zach, every time we go to pray and bow our heads, he calls the waitress over. Hey, we're getting ready to pray. Can we pray for you? Beautiful. She's a person, too. And so she comes and she sits down with us. And I remember the first time it happened, I was like, that was really cool. Next gathering we have at Vic's Pizza, she's there again. She's not serving us. Zach gets up, goes and finds her, calls her over. He says, hey, we're about to pray. You want to join us? Yes. She comes over and sits down and prays. We talk to her a little bit about her life and what's going on. Next month, she's not serving us again. Zach gets up and finds her. What's going on? How you doing? Hey, we prayed about that thing. How's that going? Oh, so beautiful. She sat down and prayed with us again. It was this, just this past Thursday, and as we were walking out, she was following us up, and she joined her, her team, the rest of the team that was uh, just hanging out by the bar and her coworkers, and one of them said, Oh, are you crying? And I hadn't even noticed that she had had experienced some touch from the Lord in that time. It was very meaningful for her. I had to imagine if she was here, she'd probably share that he made her feel seen and known and valued her as a person. And I feel like that's what life could be like for us. I see a church of people who refuse to be distracted by the world and its culture we take time to think about with intentionality what are we doing with our time and our attention are we being intentional about the moments in our lives are we being intentional to acknowledge people to really see them because if you can see them you can see a need you can meet it can see a hurt and heal it. You can step into spaces that many people won't ever get to step into if we just choose to be present. You want to see people's lives change? You don't have to stand on a box, on a corner, and scream out, Jesus is coming back. You can simply look somebody in the eyes and acknowledge them in the moments that you have them there. Refuse to be distracted. Refuse to allow our mobile devices to take us away from the mission God has right in front of us. Whether that's our spouse, our kids, somebody you're sitting next to, the new person who walked in today, 
person that's sitting in the cubicle next to you that you haven't even bothered to speak to and you've been working next to him for years? I believe with intentionality we can be very present. And I believe that God will give us eyes to see people. Amen, everybody? How many lives could change? Because of our intention to be fully present. Remember, don't miss what you have now, pursuing what you want later. You know, I know it's easy to get distracted. I I know it's easy for me to get distracted, what I've got to do and where I've got to be. But let me remind you that Jesus, in the moment that that I, I think he would have been given a pass to be the most distracted in is the moment that he was in the most pain. Pain's a great blinder, by the way. It'll blind you to all kinds of people and things around you. And Jesus, being nailed to a cross, being spit on and publicly humiliated, likely hanging there naked, gasping for every breath that he has as he's hung there on that cross, hands and feet pierced, back brutalized. Jesus. You'd figure he'd get a pass for not being present, and yet that's not who Jesus is. There are two encounters that are just so beautiful with Jesus on the cross. The first one is with his mother. The Bible says that John was standing there with his mother who was grieving the loss of her son. And Jesus, even though knowing that he was going to rise from the dead and having told everybody he was going to rise from the dead, acknowledged this moment that his mom was grieving the loss of her son. And he turns to his best friend, John. He says, John, this is your mom. Mom, this is your son. It's an emotional need that was present. And he took time to acknowledge it and to provide for, the, for their peace. The other was to a thief, which the Bible says, by the way, there were two thieves, and both of them were cussing Jesus out and making fun of him. At some point in time, though, there was, that other thief had a change of heart. Maybe it's because of how he heard Jesus interacting with people, what he said. But at some point in time, he realized that this was the Son of God. And he turns to Jesus and he says, will you remember me when you get into your kingdom? Jesus says, today I tell you, you'll be in paradise with me. If Jesus in his most difficult moment can be present, we can find ways to be present. Amen, everybody? Let's pray. Father, today, this is a tough task. The enemy is working so hard to distract us at all moments, at all times, to distract us with pain, to distract us with exciting and neat things, our favorite movies, our favorite games, our favorite activities, our phones. We are distracted people. God, I pray today that you would give us an awareness, an awareness that would keep us rooted in every single moment that you've given us, that whether that moment is good or bad, we would Find ways to rejoice in it because you are with us, because what's happened in the past is settled, what's going to happen in the future is in your control, and we can trust you, or we can be present right here, right now. And God, I pray that as we make a choice to be present, in whatever way that looks like, and whatever way you would help us, reveal that to us, show us how we can live a life distraction-free. But as we commit to that and as we do, I pray that you give us eyes to see people, to see their needs, to see their hurts, to see them, acknowledge them, to know them, to love them and serve them. God, help us to be fully present in every conversation we're in. Let us beat the odds and the statistics that say we're gonna be absent 47% of the time. God, may we be people that are committed to being in every moment you give us. As we continue in this moment of prayer right here and right now, this is a moment for somebody in this room. I feel like this entire church service was just for you to know how much God loves you. That God is not mad at you. That right here and right now, he knows all the mistakes you've made in your life and he's not angry at you, he loves you. In fact, the Bible would describe how he has been passionately in pursuit of you that he loves you so much, he gave his best. He gave his one and only son, Jesus. 
trade places with you, to take on the penalty of your mistakes and your sins so that you can be forgiven, so that you can become a child of God, adopted into the spiritual family. You could have everything that Jesus has. The Bible says we're, that when we place our faith in him, we become joint heirs with Christ. Man, that's a beautiful thing. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. It's a gift God's given us. And today I want you to know God sees you and he loves you. And if today you're ready to place your faith in him, that doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean you need to fix yourself up. That's his job. No. Your job today is just to choose. Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Jesus, I'm going to make you Lord of my life. Jesus, I, I'm going to live my life the way you tell me to. And when I mess up, I'm going to tell you I messed up and you're going to forgive me. And I'll get another chance. That if, if I'm describing you today and you're ready, you're ready to begin a relationship with your heavenly father. You're ready to make Jesus Lord of your life. It means he's in charge. If you're ready to make that commitment today, I'm going to pray a prayer in just a moment, but I would love to know that you're here and you're ready to make that commitment. Would you just slip your hand up right now and say, Aaron, that's me. I'm choosing today. Today's my day. I'm going to be present in this moment. I'm going to say yes to Jesus. You can put your hands down. Church, let's pray together. Nobody needs to pray by themselves. Just everybody out loud and say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins and make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit and show me how to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Simple Church, can we celebrate with those who said yes to Jesus today? Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope it has given you hope and helped you know God a little bit more. The goal of this podcast is to reach beyond our walls and connect with people far from God. If you'd like to join us in doing that, there are several ways for you to get involved. First, you can pray for us as a church. Prayer is our first response and our greatest resource. Pray for opportunities that we can boldly step into, make a difference in our community and around the world as we proclaim the good news of Jesus. Second, share this episode on your social media accounts and directly with your friends. It's easy to do through whatever platform you're currently using to listen to this message. Just click share and follow the prompts. Finally, you can support the mission through your generosity. The best part about this is that it's also an act of worship where you express the priority of your love for God and others through your finances. Links to give are in the show notes or simply visit www.mysimple.church giving. We are so thankful you joined us today. Hope you'll consider joining the mission of our church in some way. Thank you again, and we'll see you at next week's episode.